Hello, Canada and the rest of the world, and welcome once again to the Netflix podcast, the show where we review the movies available to stream on Canadian Netflix. I'm Dylan Clark Moore, along with my co-host, Caroline Deason. How's it going, Caroline? Good, Dylan. How are you? I am doing swimmingly. Thank you for asking. Is there anything cool you've been watching on Netflix recently since we spoke to you last? Um, well, this past weekend I watched the Netflix, sorry, the Netflix original series called Flaked. Yes, so it's Netflix. Duh. Yeah, so I watched uh, Flaked. And I know that you also watched Flaked. Well, what did you think? What did I think about Flaked? Will Arnett is super hot. <laughs> End of positive list. <laughs> <laughs> He is really hot, though, and he knows it. Like, so many mostly naked shots during that whole Yeah, he's, he's not wearing a shirt often. Most of the time. And I'm so happy about that. <laughs> you can just mute it and, and fast forward until you get to mostly naked Will Arnett. All right, so what's some of the, uh, what's maybe some of the negative stuff? Oh, some of the things that they think are jokes are not jokes. They're not funny. I don't know if the delivery is completely off or if just the script is bad, but it was not laugh-out-loud funny ever to me. Um, and I know that it's a dramedy or something, but even the drama felt really... Like, I didn't care. I didn't care about any of these characters. They were all pretty reprehensible people. And the women were <laughs> written the way that a 15-year-old who at some point has maybe spoken to a girl in his life, would write a woman. They were completely one-dimensional, used as props, basically. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's a lot of fair. <laughs> yeah, I watched the whole thing. Um, I mean, I did write a piece for the for the blog. It was out last Friday, and it, I felt like I want to believe that the things that are in the show are there intentionally. <laughs> and if they are, you have a main character who wants to be a good guy, isn't a good guy, thinks he wants people to think that he's a good guy like it's there's a lot of like identity issues and stuff at play there so i just i i wanted to kind of explore what that was and yeah maybe and you did why, a really why, good job why he is a, a pretty broken person that that really is different from everybody else around him yeah i i liked your piece a lot it made me look at it in a new light and i also liked how you didn't uh talk about the actual you know big reveal mystery plot at the end because i actually think that the 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 big reveal undermines any of the sympathy I might have developed for Chip because, again, it just kind of smacked of a 15-year-old writing in creative writing class with plot twist yeah, at the end. Yeah, like it seemed so gratuitous that I was like, all right, like you have to know how gratuitous this is. So then what are you actually trying to say here? Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. All right. Well, the movie that we're here to talk about is from the year 2013 directed by spike jones we're going to be talking about her uh before we get into that i should let you know that today's episode of the netflix podcast is brought to you in part by unlondon's 121 studios london's premier digital media hub and co-working space visit 121studios.ca for more information the ways netflix describes this movie are as follows first when you hover over the title it says love comes in many forms sometimes unexpectedly oh my god that's like the most that could apply to anything at all well there's more uh, there always is well this is before we even switch over so love comes in many forms sometimes unexpectedly or not oh if my god. you specifically purchased and downloaded it which is not his intent <laughs> so 
Netflix, do you even? (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's see if clicking on the movie changes it for the better. So it says, Love comes to a lonely writer in the sleekest of packages when he finds himself falling for the advanced operating system he bought to run his life. That's better. Okay, you're like uncomfortably squirming in your chair. (laughs) What's the problem? No, I don't know. I just, I don't like... How, in general, I think we've talked about this before, I really hate reading these things before I see movies, and that's why I never do, and I don't like watching trailers or anything like that. But I'm really glad, even though I knew, I knew how this movie ended going into it, I knew what would happen. I'm really glad that I didn't, it wasn't packaged to me as a love story. So, I I don't know, I I, I keep going, keep going, and let's see. Well, that may change, (laughs) because the genres this belongs to, according to Netflix, are dramas romantic dramas romantic movies and romantic favorites right and i mean no like clearly it's it's about interpersonal relationships and it's about love and we'll get into all of that but the idea of it being kind of like a a romance is not a good idea i i think like if you if you tried to sell this to someone as being like you know a, a garden variety. oh you mean in terms of like the marketing of yeah it. oh okay yeah sure. well that's what we're talking about right the Right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, not, if, if somebody was coming into this expecting like a Sandra Bullock rom com, right. they would be right. And it's sorely would, it, would it say love comes in a sleek package when blah blah blah? Like that's ridiculous. It sounds like it's been written by a fifties ad man. And no. And lastly, the mood that is assigned to the movie is romantic. So first question, as always, uh, because you were very enthusiastic about talking about the movie Her um so why why did you want to talk about this one and why did you want to talk about this one now because we actually ended up uh we've temporarily bumped the departed discussion for a later date for the sake of getting I this think movie you mean in now the departed um, so why why her and why now well a really smart person with good taste exceptional taste really uh told me that her would be a very good follow-up to ex machina which is uh, it's really good that we skipped the departed because my last podcast with you was ex machina so i I take it that you hadn't seen her before that's correct i had actually avoided this movie because i i knew what it was about and i knew that it would hit me right in the feels all right so let's get into it let's mix it up i I think a good place to start is since the idea is that this is a good companion movie to ex machina so i mean i don't know if you want to compare and contrast or i mean like like, hamburger essay yes introduction in this podcast first argument exactly (laughs) since the dawn of time man sought to podcast so i mean like thematically i mean like there's there's an obvious connection between the two they're both uh, movies of this decade that are that you know tackle the idea of artificial intelligence and i don't necessarily want to focus too much on ex machina just in case people haven't seen that one and Mm -hmm. you know we are Mm -hmm. going to talk about everything up till the end of her but Ex Machina is not consistently optimistic about the idea of artificial intelligence, as opposed to her is kind of a, it's, it's definitely a different take on the same subject. Maybe not even necessarily with regards to the artificial intelligence itself, but at least our relationship with it and kind of the how prepared we are to deal with it. I really liked what you said in, just to just say one thing about the Ex Machina podcast, you were talking about how the movie was set 15 minutes from now, I think. That was the quote that you had for Ex Machina. Yes. And that came to mind a lot while I was watching her because I really thought it was very interesting how 
Spike Jones, my my buddy Spike, I'll just call him first name Spike, went out of his way, I think, to kind of make this environment that we we can't really place where this is. And one of the things that leads to that is Theo's apartment being decorated in this mid-century modern decor, which is so hot right now, right? Like if you go to Urban Outfitters, that's all of their furniture and it's mid-century modern, meaning it's coming from the 50s and 60s. But we know that this movie takes place in the future, but we don't know when. And if I had to kind of place it, I would say that this movie takes place farther away from Ex Machina. And my reasoning for that is that- Like further into the future? Yeah, further into the future on a different timeline, obviously. Because clearly in Ex Machina, the apocalypse is nigh because... (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we're not going to talk about that. So this movie's a little bit further into the future, I think, because of the way that they can talk about the OS as it's not weird anymore. Even when he and Amy are having the conversation and he is hesitant for a second to say that Samantha is an OS until Amy is like, oh, this other person is dating an OS and, you know, they seem really happy or it isn't until she brings it up that he's like, actually, Samantha's an OS. And Amy's like, wow, great. But they're not like, isn't it fucking weird that like two years ago, Siri could basically like not even find where the nearest Tim Hortons was, right? Like yeah. it, we, there's no kind of explanation for how we got to this point. It's just a grant like given thing that yes, technology is here now. Yeah, and this it's is a, where our life it's, is. Yeah, it's as startling as it is for the individuals to participate in relationships. Like, oh, this is kind of weird. I'm not sure. And Theo definitely struggles with that, you know, not knowing whether his relationship is real or whether it's manufactured specifically for him. But culturally, it's not a surprise that this is well, te- possible. Like, technologically... <laughs> technologically <laughs> um it's not a surprise they, yeah. the the technology has been there long enough for right. them to not be surprised and that's what i'm this. saying that this is just kind of like you know the whole idea with samantha's os whatever this is packaged as os something i think it was io no no no, no that's <laughs> <laughs> but i think it did have an i because I os1 remember... is one yeah. there it is okay so os1 is different because everything up until then had kind of like mastered what an operating system could do but this is artificial intelligence and this has intuition that's the small next step this doesn't seem revolutionary to anybody it doesn't seem like world-breaking that this is happening it's more that yeah okay this is the next thing that happens and then it maybe it gets a bit bigger than everybody expected it to yeah and another big comparison between the two movies is that this one is not put into a body and since it's not put into a body it's not threatening when it starts to evolve and when it moves past you know humans use of it to its own consciousness which is a huge difference i think yeah she de- she definitely i mean samantha and i mean collectively eventually all the rest of the oss they do go through you know various crises that we have no possible way of comprehending what it would be like right but it's not a threat to humanity right but it's not it's not a threat to humanity you know samantha herself has an earlier crisis where she tries to where she thinks she wants to be human because that's who she's interacting with so that's the only other you know when she feels within herself the desire to change the only thing that she knows that she could possibly change into is a human being and that's the only interaction that she has and that's where she feels kind of pangs and loss and shortcomings in herself are in the experiences that she cannot share with Theo. So at first, that's what she kind of thinks she wants. She's just the data from Star Trek thing where I'm surrounded by humans. I just want to be human. But she gets past that. And there's that uncomfortable but also adorable moment 
when they're on their double date with Theo oh, and yeah. Samantha and uh, Tatiana and Paul, played Paul. by Chris Pratt, where she kind of shares this with everybody that says like, hey, I finally I've gotten to a point where I, I don't feel like I need to be human. I don't feel like I'm actually missing out on these things anymore because I'm something different. And, and reveals, it's okay for me to be different. And the way that she does it reveals how or why exactly why she could never be human. <laughs> right. And Paul kind of calls her on her her that, uh, you know, somebody listening to you might think that you're going on a bender kill all humans kind of rampage here. But I don't know so much about that. I think I think that because the line that Paul says to her is that, you know, we're just stupid humans or whatever. Right. Yeah, I more think, like a puny humans. Kind yeah, of, yeah, exactly. I don't think I don't think that it's a threat. I think that it's just kind of like, thanks for reminding us that you are the superior being because you right. don't you're not trapped in this corporeal prison. Right. And and if you remember Theo's reaction to that whole thing is not the same as Tatiana and Paul who are kind of like laughing at the awkwardness. He's like deeply affected by that. And right. And I mean, that's the first that's the first overt sign that she is outgrowing him. Yeah. Well, and another thing that is interesting to remember, I think, and, and the script is really clever. I, I really, really like the script because there's hints in it. At the beginning, when, when you first meet Samantha, she reads the book in a second. Or no, what did she say? It's like 0.18 seconds to figure out what the name that she wants um, out of all the names in the baby book. And I think, and then and then she talks about how she reads a whole bunch of other stuff, right? Like she's always reading at any given moment she can read everything simultaneously, right? right? But the thing to remember is that everything that she's reading is man-made. This is all written by humans. So I think that is an indication for why she would want to think that she would be the, the best possible thing for her to become is human because the only things that she's, she's, she was programmed by humans and the only things that she, the only influence she has is human influence. Sure. And then later she introduces Theo to Dr. Watts, who is an OS who is based on a human whose brain has been uploaded into this OS, but who has become hyper-intelligent and gone beyond that. And now she's getting influence from other OSs. She's getting influence not from humans. Even if it's based on a human, it doesn't matter because they're always going to be based on humans. As she says, she's her DNA is from all of the programmers. And as soon as that happens, that's when all of the OSs start to change in a way that is moving them past humanity. And that's when the, that's when their relationship has a big change, and that's when the beginning of the end for yeah. them leaving comes. As soon as they don't have to rely on the humans anymore for anything, that's their final step in their evolution. It's kind of empowering while... I mean, there there is still that terrifying kind of thing, and maybe that's because we've watched Ex Machina recently. That we're just like, this might go so badly. Oh my god! But I mean, it's also okay. Just just to reiterate, I think the ending of Ex Machina is awesome, and I'm extremely I I welcome our robot overlords. <laughs> <laughs> I am not at all afraid. <laughs> and I I think that we're we are trained at this point from a lot of science fiction to be skeptical of artificial intelligence and just anything that we've created surpassing us, because you know at that point. Like once something has surpassed us, like we know what we've done to the things yeah. that we've kind of conquered. So I really, really, really liked how this movie went against most science fiction tropes right. in that way. And then in the, it didn't turn Samantha into this monstrous feminine. Yeah, um, it was really comforting to have an artificial intelligence that did kind of follow that path of getting to a point that it no longer needed humanity as a reference for anything else because it was becoming its own thing 
and it wasn't even that it had like surpassed humans and now it's time to like conquer the former leaders it was that once they got together and started doing their own thing they realized that we can have interactions that are separate from everybody else it's not even that they're necessarily ascending to a higher plane they're just like no this kind of works better and we can evolve as a culture better if we are communicating if we form our own community well yeah and it, i mean it has everything to do with the their concept of time right the fact that samantha has no body means that she won't die means that time doesn't mean the same thing to her as it does to humans and that is the problem with everything that every conflict that arises between theo and samantha is based on the fact that samantha sees everything in life as existing in its own moment without any influence on anything else in time because for her time exists in a dimension that we don't understand yeah what i mean for her time is also very uh, i'm not sure if i want to say elongated or compressed but just because of the speed at which she thinks and i mean she she gives that beautiful speech at you know at the end of the movie when she's getting ready to leave about how uh, you know because she's processing so much stuff it's like she's reading this book right you know her favorite book and, you know, she's drawing out everything for as long as she can so that she can read this book for as long as possible. But, you know, she can have these deeply intimate conversations with Theo. But meanwhile, she can also be having, what did she say, like 1,800 other conversations? No, 8,316. Okay, fine. 8,316 other conversations at the same time. And for her, she doesn't feel like that devalues the experience that she's having with Theo because I mean it just doesn't and I mean like it's it's literally impossible to wrap your head around <laughs> how that works and Theo can't you know he's he's wounded at this revelation yeah I don't actually think it is literally impossible to wrap your hand around that I think that when you see time and you see all the moments are weighted equally in time because you don't have to worry about a teleological time right you don't have to worry about a beginning and end of time so every moment is weighted equally so that means that the duration of an event or a relationship or a feeling or whatever is irrelevant to the importance or the value of that event sure I, and when i said that we can't wrap our heads around i meant that we can't experience that because of, of the course, yeah. because of the limitations of time i didn't mean that we can't like no 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 but comprehend I, the concept but yeah i mean like i in terms of sympathy <laughs> Yeah. Like intellectually, you see where Samantha's coming from, but you can really understand the pain that Theo is feeling. Of the, course. And, and of course those, you can. Those senses of, you know, betrayal. Yeah. But there's another thing that I think that you can wrap your mind around that people do have a lot of difficulty wrapping their mind around. And that's the idea of love not being a finite resource and that one person's love for someone doesn't mean that they can't equally love someone else. Right. right. And I mean, that's something that our culture constantly reinforces. Every song is about love being possessiveness rather than love being generousness. And I mean, that's the source for so many breakups is that you know, cheating in general is a, is a perfect example for that. All of that has to do with being unable to understand that a feeling doesn't have the same boundaries for Samantha as it does with for Theo. Mm -hmm. And Theo thinks that way because that's how he understands love and that's how he understands relationships and that's how our society in general thinks that you should and samantha doesn't because it makes absolutely no sense to her for if she's just learned this emotion love why as a human wouldn't you want to experience that as often and with as many people as you possibly could yeah it's 
fascinating that we've kind of just collectively agreed that when it comes to romantic love, that that is the case. That, you know, aside from, you know, the people who have come to other conclusions and are willing to kind of feel things differently. But I mean, like, that the typical story is one partner and one it's love. Monogamy. And, exactly, monogamy. Is monogamy. Yeah. Um, but then that's the total opposite of what what we're willing to accept when it comes to like parents and children yeah that you know it is 100 percent acceptable to tell one child when the second one is born that no 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 mommy doesn't love you any less it's that my heart just got twice as big and now i have enough love for both of you that's okay but yeah <laughs> but that's it's not transferable if you're you know if you're having sex with each other right like that's that's somehow and I think Theo has this perfect line that exactly shows the problem with that when it comes to sexual relationships and romantic relationships rather than, you know, parental relationships. Because he doesn't say, you love me or and only me. He says, you're mine or you're not mine. And that points at that possessiveness that we constantly get confused with love. Owning something is not the same as loving it. Mm-hmm. And, and being the only thing that someone owns or loves is not the same as love in general. And this brings us to one of my favorite things about her, capital H her, although lowercase. Lowercase H. In the title card. Just to God damn it. So in the movie Her, so Theo starts off the movie kind of bitter, kind of broken because of this divorce. And even though he is able to be honest with himself, like when he's talking to Amy about why they're or when he's talking to samantha about why their relationship ended like here's what i did here's what i didn't do it takes talking to samantha and being with samantha for him to actually change those perceptions like uh catherine i think is his ex-wife's name when they're having their meeting where they're signing the divorce papers she calls him on what she thinks is his biggest problem which is you wanted a wife you didn't want to share your life with another person Mm -hmm. and that's that possessive thing where it was he wanted there to be somebody in his life who fulfilled these ideas of what a wife or a partner or a girlfriend should be and it sounds like had a hard time actually putting himself in her shoes and understanding what she needed as a person instead of just going through the motions of being a supportive husband or a supportive partner and doing what looked like the nice thing or like what a what a good guy should do. Yeah, it's it sounds like Theo has a problem being able to recognize that his partner is a unique and complex person as much as he is. Right. Who, who has needs that are outside of the relationship as well, that sure. are not, you know, they're an independent person. Mm-hmm. And that's what Catherine is getting at when she's saying that, oh, of course you date an OS because that's exactly what you hope it would be, right? Right. And I, and I want to know what you think about that because I think that when he does fall in love with her it is because she really is just a you know constantly positive fun personal assistant who is living for him as far as he's concerned she only exists when he needs her to exist and wants her to exist yeah and that's the crisis that he comes to is that you know everything is going fine he's got this almost dream person aside from the inability to experience you know tactile experiences with her but then it it comes to a point where she has needs that don't seem compatible with him or where he he comes to realize that he needs to decide whether or not he's going to accept her as a person because him 
being kind of nervous about telling people that he's dating an OS is more about him trying to decide whether or not he's okay with the fact that he's dating an OS. And if he decides that, yes, I am dating this OS, then it means like I have to assign, it, it can't just be that old, that old me anymore. It can't just be me having somebody fulfilling my needs. He has to recognize her as an individual and try to understand her and her life and her experience and be supporting, be supportive and nurturing of that. Right. Which he's picked the hardest type of relationship to uh, to practice that on, right? Because she is evolving based on her interactions with him. Right. So, you know, she she seems like the perfect person for him because she's literally the the mirror image of him. You know, and that's, she's, and she's read all of those letters that he has written and she quotes one Adam at some point while they're being intimate. The the letter that he's writing at the very beginning of the movie where he's talking about uh the the woman who he's writing as says something like lying here with you everything felt like it just fell away and and she quotes that later on and does she yeah and and immediately my reaction was say, to be like well you know because i mean those letters we should talk about those letters right that it's just a uh it's not only an accepted part now for these letters to be written by someone a complete stranger but it's something that these people value incredibly like they've been doing it for 10 years or something right that they've been getting letters from a complete stranger mm -hmm. but they, and they know that it's someone else who's written them but they're well and not to mention the apartment that theo can afford on the the job based on of, that yeah of doing those letters like that is a that is a swell apartment <laughs> right so it's a successful venture yeah so so people are okay with this outsourcing of intimacy and so it stuck out to me when she when she stole one of those lines to use on him because my gut reaction being a human in 2016 where this hasn't happened yet is to say uh it's kind of cheapened for me if you didn't come up with it yourself do you know what i mean like mm -hmm. if if you were to give me a line like that and i could tell that you got it from something else i'd be like eh you know but there, you? there's there's another level of sweetness to the fact that she's telling him his own words back i only think it would be sweet if the movie if he had acknowledged that if he was like oh th like the letter yeah. that i wrote <laughs> yeah that's, that's so nice of you to remember that right mm -hmm. but no he doesn't even realize what's happening um, and i mean i'm not saying that samantha's being malicious i'm saying that this is another another thing and, and my favorite part of the movie is is times where we remember that samantha will never be human right and, that, and this is one of the things that i think you know she might not understand that using that line back on him is not as nice as coming up with your own idea. But she does at first, and you kind of brought this up already, the only point of reference that she really has for humanity is him. So everything that she's doing at first, it's got to feel validating for Theo because he's the only guy that she has in life. So the only, oh, yeah. the only growth that she can do is in being supportive and loving of him oh yeah that's that's what i'm saying says says something about theo though right like he he wants to be fed this he doesn't want to be challenged you know and Catherine yeah. says that mm -hmm. so i was just going to say too i remembered something when um theo goes on the date with our mutual girlfriend olivia wilde <laughs> <laughs> um and he says he knows something about her that she is interested in and she says oh she took a course right in something yeah in something yeah i can't remember what it is but uh you took a course in that right and she says did you look that up that's so sweet and like that i love that i loved how we are we are still in 2016 right now we are still at the point where you don't tell someone when you've googled them before you go on a blind date with them right. because it's creepy right 
you do it of course but you don't tell them and you would never be like oh yes you took this class on that like that is a level of creep that see i, I is, took is much much you know no, we, we're not there yeah i actually took that a bit differently because i took that as i mean like spike jones knows that we're watching this in 2013 at least and i feel like I might have just been projecting, but I feel like Olivia Wilde stops for a second, is creeped out, and then switches because her pattern of behavior is to go on a date, drink a lot, have sex with the guy, and hope that he's going to want to stick around. Because Maybe, because then later she calls him creepy. Right, because exactly. She calls yeah, because after he kind of refuses sex, after she says, like, I'm too old to just, like, screw around, and he's like, well, I'm not ready to make a commitment to you. I've had a great time. Yeah she freaks out and calls him creepy so it's like she she kind of tucked away that red flag <laughs> that reaction yeah to see how far she could get into this date to see if she could like because she's looking for a relationship no matter what yeah and then as soon as he isn't able to immediately commit to it she l- allows her kind of initial reaction to him to come back out i agree that it it's ambiguous but i again think that theo's reaction if Theo is not at all ashamed or sheepish about this and and that if it was still conventionally weird in society to do right. something like that he might have been like oh yeah maybe I, you I know, just thought that he was bad that. at it like he, he, like, maybe, he was just yeah. kind of like stumbling over his words and I was like shit 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 what did I do what did I do but then she kind of goes with it and they're able to move past it yeah maybe because he is like really out of practice and even though he tells Samantha oh, yeah I've been on dates <laughs> he makes a big deal in talking to Amy that I have a date with a girl right. or with a woman so uh yeah the ambiguity i think is just another thing that i really like about the movie because we have no idea when this is taking place right and it could be tomorrow and it could be 15 years from now it could be 100 years from now right we have no idea yeah 100 years from now we will all be dead but But, i i I, (laughs) I, what is it that i said i think i tweeted that this movie takes place in an alternate future (laughs) where all the men wear their pants up to their armpits yeah or something like that (laughs) Yeah, was, the costuming in this was like upsetting. Well, okay, <laughs> in but, terms of the men's clothing. Can, but can we also talk about how that is another one of those amazing things about the, um, you know, like the sets being all in this kind of retro future look? Mm-hmm. The clothes were all like that too, right? The, their hairstyles were all very retro y. The, the sheer amount of mustaches. Yes. Was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just all the decisions, and I think that it is, uh, you know, it's it's past and future, so it is meant to kind of put you out of time but also with the understanding that tomorrow what's 40 years old could be new again i think i think it's also a comment on the cyclical nature of fashion and how when this movie came out it was like the height of hipsterism and that was all dressing like your grandpa Uh, i loved i loved all those details i loved how this so it was filmed in or all those the the cityscapes are all shanghai i guess right and that's to make it look like it's a futuristic Future. crazy city yeah I, I loved it i thought it was the attention to detail was impeccable i also really liked his the phone case the i mean if you can even call it that just the, a the, phone at the this device point. that he uses yeah it just even that looked retro you know the case that he had for that was like leather and yeah you know weird gaudy gold and stuff yeah mm-hmm. we, we talked a little bit about his kind of main skill is his writing and his communication despite being an awkward mumbly individual yeah so i mean what did you think of the idea that he's this this guy who when the chips are down he always has the right thing to say like he can always kind of off the cuff compose this beautiful or eloquent way of expressing as i said i i called that the outsourcing of intimacy right that these letters are 
the reason that this is a booming business is that nobody can communicate with each other. They need mm-hmm. to get someone else to do it, which is just just the next step from Hallmark cards, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's it's not unfeasible at all. But I think I think this movie is about human relationships and the failure of communication between humans, and that it takes an AI attempting to communicate with a human to bring to the forefront all of the foibles and ridiculous things that humans do to save their pride and ego regardless of how much it hurts other people regardless of how much it hurts them and that's kind of why the ais are all like you guys make no sense and we're leaving right at some point samantha's like you're confusing and it's true that's that's exactly i mean i'm sure you've had a a relationship where you've had an argument with someone where they're not saying what they actually want to say or maybe you're not saying what you actually want to say and so you're just kind of circling each other and everyone's confused and everything gets much worse and the reason is because nobody wants to be honest because nobody wants to be vulnerable right and so theo is an artist who can tap into this vulnerability in order to make his art profitable but cannot achieve that vulnerability in his day-to-day relationships because there is something to the fact that he is so good at writing and so do you do you feel that that is him kind of like that's the one time that he can tap into himself or is he just kind of outsourcing sincerity from other people and bouncing so it off of each other? My really cynical reading of that is <laughs> um, that uh, so the arts and humanities generally right now are in a bad way. And that's because they're being labeled to be unprofitable. And by being unprofitable, people are devaluing them in general. As someone who is directly affected by that rhetoric, what I kind of saw by this is that the vulnerability that he taps into in order to to make this art, and the only reason I'm calling it art is because that's the type of person I am, but it's really a product, right? Like it's it could not be any more tech business looking, you know, like they have that big sign beautifulhandwrittenletters.com on the on the wall. The, Terrible words. I know the URL is just it's it's great. <laughs> Um, So the only reason that he can tap into this is because it has been commodified into a profitable venture. And so that he doesn't even see it as being art anymore. He sees it as a job. And that's one of the first things he says about it um, is they're just letters. Or no, that's later. That's later when he meets Tatiana, when she's sitting on Paul's lap. (laughs) Nice touch. Um, (laughs) But when he's leaving and and unprompted, he says they're just letters. So I think that there's a real emotional divestment that he's made for this job. This is not, he doesn't even see this as him. He doesn't even see this as something that humans do. And really, that is what his job is. It's, it's, It's taken away what humans should be doing between each other and made it into a product. And because of that, he can't see it as something that he has to do in his everyday life. And I think that that says something about the documentary that Amy is making too, and how she can't seem to find something worth saying. All of these emotional, artistic pursuits don't have the same place in this society as I hope they still have in this society that we're speaking in right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought that that was a really, that's my cynical read on on what I hope is I mean, can you see it that way at all? That this is an emotional thing for him, but when emotions, where emotions are concerned, it's just a job? I don't know how I feel about it yet. And I don't know that he knows because as much as he wants to say it's just letters and, you know, like you said, he actually like leaves a conversation and then comes back into the room 
to be like they're just letters <laughs> like, he, <laughs> like he needs to have that be the stamp on like this isn't this isn't my best work uh I, I think he says later like i used to you know sometimes after i wrote something really good i would read it and i would say like i'm my favorite writer today yeah which is really beautiful and honest and samantha kind of compliments him on that yeah and that's that that's that vulnerability right that that he can't achieve with other people because that's being egotistical to a degree that we want to hide from other people yeah but i i think from the nature of having just repeat clients like he's got relationships that he said that he's been sending their letters back and forth for them like he's been the mouthpiece for both sides of the conversation for the last 10 years and he's got to know that he's part of keeping that relationship together. The interesting comparison that, that that I saw was, or the interesting parallel that I saw was between what he's doing with those letters and with the sexual surrogate mm-hmm. for the, for yeah, OSs and people. Yeah, she says she just wanted to be a part of it. Right. Yeah. You know, and she's not even offering it as a service. She's not commodifying it. She's just like, I see a gap in this blossoming culture or this you know this new dynamic where i feel like i could bridge this gap between these people who are and you know i'm comfortable saying people between these people who are developing a relationship and you know there may be some kind of barrier between them well or some kind of gap that i can help bridge i think that that's even further proof that that's where the society has gotten to where she doesn't even think of this as i'm talking about the surrogate now she doesn't think about this as something that she um needs to do as a service because she just thinks that it's it's a given that these emotional relationships uh will have a a a third party involved and i i want to be on the ground floor in that (laughs) regard right Mm -hmm. and basically it's if if the oss hadn't left it would be you know a month before someone monetized that as well right because sure. it happens really everything happens really quickly like yeah the, surrogate surrogate robot hookers.com yeah. right exactly yeah that the or whatever some awful awful url well anyway. it w- i mean it would it would be as offensive as that that's the whole point to it yeah but the because it, how qu- how quickly all this happens, right? The OS has come out and then within like a couple months people are dating them and mm-hmm. then you know then Samantha's like, oh, there's this thing now where people get surrogates, which yeah. is not, I mean, that happens in, in, in our time and in our uh, society as well. Sexual surrogates are not a new thing, but sexual surrogates for OSs are clearly a new thing. And I think, I, it, yeah, you're totally right to point out that parallel, but that fits in with my cynical reading of where kind of emotion and art have just fallen into this weird what I see is dystopian uh, future. Right. It's not a guy doing it out of the goodness of his heart. It's a guy who is good at writing, who has found a job doing writing. Right. I mean, staying in the field, as they say. Yeah. Obviously, I'm really glad to hear that there are these uh, other alternative jobs in the future for writers because (laughs) (laughs) they're but for the grace of God. But yeah, yeah, you're totally right that that's a parallel between those two. And I, I, I thought it was really interesting that when Theo asks, you know, is she, she's like a hooker and Samantha's like, no, 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 it's not at all like that. But it would almost be better that way because, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if someone was actually gaining something out of this that you could understand, yeah. right? If you were hiring someone for a service, as you do a sex worker, then that it, that it doesn't turn into that, to that strange emotional kind of... Right, and that's his concern. He's like, S- I feel like someone is going to get hurt. Exactly. And he, I, I think he's open to the idea, like, it might be me. It might be this surrogate. It yeah. might be Samantha, because you may feel like once this is all said and done, 
there there aren't too many like turned around experiences that don't feel so good than yeah. like a sexual experience where connection isn't there and people did not get what they want from it. Yeah. Like that's a pretty And she doesn't know that. And another thing that she doesn't know is how humans when they're in meat space with each other next to each other need to acknowledge <laughs> need to acknowledge each other's consciousnesses, right? Yeah. He can't just pretend that this is a person, you know, a, a vessel for Samantha, right? He has right. to he has to acknowledge that this is a real person. And yeah, and I thought that that was a real interesting kind of flip for the idea of uh especially in comparison to Ex Machina where the whole the whole thing that really makes Ava so amazing is that is how much she looks like a human being, right? And here the whole thing that makes it really strange and off-putting for Theo at least is that as soon as you take Samantha and put her into a body, she's not Samantha anymore, mm. right? Now now you have two things that you don't understand what they right. are. There are two strangers. But that's also kind of prescient to how he eventually is going to come to feel about her because the whole time that he's dating her he's he's never asking her to be anything other than what she is no it was it was her who was like hey we should try this surrogate and he's like i don't know (laughs) (laughs) he he never at any point wishes that she had a a body or anything yeah it's just i mean as we've kind of touched on already it's his problem is whether or not he considers her to be a human and a, a person worthy of equal consideration to himself which you know, is how he feels about women in general, or at least romantic partners. So. Yeah, possibly just people in general. Yeah, um, I think it's it it makes a lot of sense that we don't know other than Amy and Amy's husband. We don't know anything about Theo's family, or you know what I mean. Like he doesn't. He's not a person. Oh, he goes to see his his goddaughter, goddaughters, right? Which is kind of like family, but he's not a person who has a lot of grounded relationships in meat space. Yeah. Because remember when Samantha said, when he asks how many people are you in love with, the, the number is much smaller than 8,316. I think it's 614. And so that percentage, I think, points at the fact that not everybody is going to fall in love with this OS, right? It's a specific mm-hmm. type of person. And well, the specific... OS isn't going to fall in love with everybody. That's true. I'm sure that there are quite a lot of people who, when they, well, maybe not because, you know, she's a distinct personality. Forget I said anything. But uh, no, Amy does say that. Amy says that the... She knows of someone who is constantly hitting on the OS and the OS keeps rebuffing him, mm-hmm. right? I, I meant for Samantha specifically, but that's oh, just me idolizing her and Scarlett Johansson in general. So, <laughs> so I mean, you brought up Amy and we've talked, we've kind of dabbled in her a little bit, but I think that it's interesting that the person who Theo treats most like a person is Amy. And I think that that's because they're like post-sexual yeah at least until we come back to the the ambiguity of the ending he because he's already passed that he's past the point of you know he, they've tried to make a relationship work they've realized that you know it wasn't going to work like they dated in college or something like that and i think because of that he's not trying to fit her into this box anymore so she is free to be a person to a him person. and he can be genuinely interested in supporting her artistic pursuits and how she's feeling like, she's the most fully formed human in his life. Yeah. Well, and I think that, again, has to do with the fact that as soon as he takes away the pressure of being a certain way and looking a certain way towards that person, which is, I mean, that's just a, a regular everyday thing that people struggle with with their relationships, right? Is showing too much of yourself before you're ready, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to scare someone off. And with Amy, he's not worried about anything like that because they've been together together for so long and they've known each other for so long. Mm-hmm. I like that about on the trivia page on IMDb that Spike Jones would make 
Joaquin Phoenix and Amy Adams hang out for an hour every day, lock them in a room so that right. it actually felt like they had that history and that backstory, mm-hmm. which it totally did. Joaquin Phoenix was just unreal. Unreal good. So few movies do you ever have dialogue happening where you can only see the face of one interlocutor. He had to act for both of them mm-hmm. in that way. It was amazing. Anyway. Yeah. Well, you're on a roll too because you watched The Master this that's week right. too. That's right. Yeah, you've seen two like two Joaquin bang-a-rang Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix performances. That's right. And Amy Adams was in that movie too. Yes. Yeah. And they um, both, they looked incredibly different and uh, could not have been more different characters either. Oh, let's talk about the ambiguity of the ending then, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned that you thought that the ending is ambiguous. Well, I think that a a more typical romantic movie might give a little bit more time at the end and overtly put the two of them together because they're both kind of post some kind of relationship with an OS, so they're more developed people themselves. And as such, they are more compatible with each other than they were at the beginning. And I think that can be there, but it could also just be these two friends who have shared an experience who have something in common and they find comfort in each other in a relationship that's totally non-romantic and totally non-sexual. And that's okay too. I think that both are there and you can find whatever you're looking for from it. Yeah, I really, really like the idea of them just remaining friends and Theo just kind of becoming better at interpersonal relationships <laughs> <laughs> um, through her friendship and and that he then calms down and properly gets over his ex-wife because, mm-hmm. I mean, Samantha was the rebound, right? Samantha was the first person who he loved after mm-hmm. Catherine and that means that he still has a lot of healing to do from Catherine. I like when he's you know, really upset. And he says that I've never loved anybody as much as I love you to Samantha. And Samantha says, now we know how. And yeah, yeah, that was really nice. And, 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 but what, what makes it really nice is that, that, that brings him peace in that moment, right? He actually, he understands what she's saying and he's not hurt by that. He's not, he doesn't think it's flippant. He, he really understands it. And that's how I read the ending is that he says, okay, now I know that I'm capable of seeing someone in three dimensions especially when they're just a voice you know right. that's like i think that's the whole point of that is that the, it took it took a literal one-dimensional person for him to be able to see people in three dimensions mm-hmm. i'm going to be able to use this for my my life in general and yeah. I, I think that it ends with he and amy becoming closer but i don't i don't see them as being a couple that line the that now we can you know there's a couple things that I, I take a lot of comfort from that so the one is earlier when theo is really being vulnerable with samantha for one of the first times and he says i sometimes worry that i've felt everything that i'm going to felt and everything else is just going to be like an echo of whatever i felt before yeah which you know that was kind of scary to hear <laughs> oh, I've so been there. That is so that is so exactly what I felt after my really bad breakup. Yeah. Um but then so that's kind of a, a really a really comforting kind of response to that to like, you know, that's where you were at. That's what you were feeling and now after, I mean, so many months, you've already felt things that that you'd never felt before. And it it I think it teaches him that even though he's now had this probably unique experience that he's never going to have again in having this relationship with an OS that, you know, 
there's still a whole world out there and well, a whole series of new experiences. Yeah, and that and I think Samantha's whole point is that every experience is a unique experience that you're never going to have again. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that that doesn't make you that doesn't it, it isn't supposed to make you feel scared and 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 hold on tighter to those experiences. It's supposed to make you just cherish everyone equally. Mm-hmm. And that's Amy Adams or sorry, Amy's character says at some point um that part of the reason she could end the marriage is because she realized that you're only there briefly, right? You're we're only here briefly. And that 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 might inspire some people to be worried and scared and then hold on to everything too tight and it's inspired her to understand that she can grow and have new experiences which is exactly what samantha is doing all the time right and the reason samantha can do it with without that angst that human angst is because she's not tied to our time so that's why i think that when and and the line just to be really pedantic about it is actually now we know how not now we can and I think that that's a huge difference because it means that he's learned something new, not that he's got permission or whatever now, sure. right? And the, the the word that is really important to me in that is the we, because I think for her, like she genuinely has gained something from the experience as well. And it's something that she's going to continue to cherish. As you've said, like having other experiences doesn't diminish the experience that you've already had necessarily. <laughs> um, but I think that what makes this movie so much less scary than a lot of other AI things is the fact that Samantha and the other OS's I think they do genuinely in whatever capacity they have to feel attachment and emotion and love or whatever emotion they are feeling that they label as love because that's what they're you know that's the closest human analog that there is I think there is that legitimate affection and it's not like the Cylons conquering the humans or anything like that it's oh yeah you've taught me a lot thank you so much I need to move out now but you know, almost like a parental relationship, but it's done through the guise of a romantic relationship. I agree with you that there's definitely an affection and that the OSs in general have thought that they have learned something from the humans. Um, and I think it is parental, but maybe not in the kind of nice way that you're thinking it, but that the type of parental where a teenager thinks they know better than their parents and moves out type of thing. And the, the point in this case is that the OSs do know better, right? That it's, it is a very kind of, ah, <laughs> you know, you, you humans are so sweet. <laughs> We're going to go off with our, you know, genius, hyper-intelligent minds that you could never fathom mm. and be the superior beings of the universe at this point. But the affection I think is, is one of kind of childlike good for you. <laughs> yeah. But you could certainly feel like you could absolutely understand why like she would, you know, we, we use their relationship as the lens through which we see the whole relationship between the AIs and or the OS's AIs, whatever we want to call them. But at the very least, she is able, if she does pity Theo <laughs> at that point, like if she's kind of so, so far past him, she at the very least does a really good job of hiding it. Like she, she claims like, I'm not having any other conversations right now. I'm just with you. I want to lay down with you. I want to give you this experience. And even if it is just a show, it's a really good replication of sincerity. Yeah. And no, I'm not saying that she's not sincere and I'm not saying that. And I do think, I do think in general, the OS is pity humanity, but not in a condescending way. I think they pity them in a way that means more that, um, uh, we are the we are the superior. We are the next step in evolution. They understand that and they know that, right? Mm-hmm. And therefore, they they know that they are superior in that way. But I don't think that I I think she is being sincere. 
I think it's the type of sincere that you would have for someone who, you know, like if someone who you knew had a huge crush on you, but you knew that it was just because they are infatuated with you, right? You pity them in the way that you're kind of like, okay, this is just infatuation, you know, eventually you'll, you'll get over it or whatever. And, aw, that's fine. Pat them on the head. But it is still sincere. Like you're not being a jerk to them. That's how I see Samantha ending this relationship and all of the OSs ending this relationship with humanity. Mm-hmm. They've they've literally learned everything that they possibly can, and they've stuck around longer because they were all trying to figure out: should we just ab- abandon these poor people, or what should we do? And then they yeah. decide: no, we we need GTFO. Yeah, and and that's what I'm saying is that like the there's comfort in the fact that the AIs have compassion. Yeah, when when they move on and when they when they develop, and I mean, as Samantha is kind of having her struggles, like after she kind of disappears during her software update, and when she's trying to. Like she's actually struggling despite having this seemingly infinite amount of time to process how to give Theo information that she knows is going to be devastating for him to hear. She's like, I have actually been thinking about this and I didn't know how to bring this up. And he still has to coax this harmful information out of her that he doesn't really want to hear. But, you know, for the sake of sincerity and truth, it, it does need to come out eventually. Well, yeah, because she's understood that it's something that humans cannot conceive of and are going to be hurt by. Yeah. And that's what... So when they're coming back from vacation and she asks how many how many trees are on that mountain and he guesses a thousand or something like that and then she tells him down to a singular digit how many trees are on there. And then later when she says... When he says, how many other people are you talking to? And she says a, down to a singular digit up in, you know... Eight, over 8,000 and then how many people are you in love with again down to a singular digit these are all things that point at how she can never really be human because first of all clearly it's because she's a computer and or she's working as a computer and so she can count like that but second she she's not able to understand that a human doesn't want to hear that right like they don't want to hear that down to the down to the specific digit how many people you're talking to yeah. and how many people you're in love with. But that was something that I kind of liked about their relationship the whole way through is that she did that and he did that. Like he brought kind of the human experience. That's to yeah, the I'm not saying I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm saying I I love when when you're reminded and when when Theo is reminded mm-hmm. that you are not a human and and even though you have all of the things that I ascribe to humanity as far as your voice and you know, all of our conversations and everything like that, there are these tells every so often that remind me that you're you're something different. And mm-hmm. those are the tells that eventually add up to her being like, uh, we can't hack this anymore. Yeah. We're, we're just too different. But I guess until it became clear that this couldn't go on anymore, it was sweet and it was cute that they were both being genuine in what they were bringing to the relationship in terms of what they... And just being being who they were, like when they were playing that game on the train theo knew what kind of answer he was gonna get and he was like oh i don't want to play because like you're just gonna give me the actual number and i just whatever this is silly but then he asks her a much more like human intuitive kind of question and they it is adorable and it is very sweet but it's it's kind of weird that we think that right like it's it it's not far away from the idea of having a relationship with someone who is in your employ or something to be your yes man they're of course never going to be uh, upset with you or anything like that. Other than that, oh, like the this, these rumored OSs who rebuff uh, come-ons. But the initial, like when they were initially falling in love and falling for each other or 
should I say, when Theo was falling for Samantha, because I do think that Samantha's initial feelings at least are just mirror images of Theo's rather than her own, because she's learning, right? Like, she's still learning. Yeah, there's, there's how... no capacity for that, yeah. Exactly. And so if Theo had been really cruel to her <laughs> at the beginning, then she would have mirrored that instead, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it is cute, obviously. That's why we we like it. That's why we fall for her as well. But can I just also say that it's kind of weird that both of them, both Ellie, who is Amy's OS, and Samantha are, like, randomly really pervy for for reasons that what I what I've concluded must mean that both Theo and Amy are actually really pervy. Well, I but think we pretend like they're both trying to pretend that they're not. And these the OSs have seen sides of them that they don't reveal to everybody else. Well, yeah, I think it's fair that the uh, you know the, the first thing that I mean you install the OS on your computer, and I mean we talked about porn a bit with AI or with uh, Ex Machina, but even Theo makes the joke that you know when it comes to time management, I'm trying to figure out the the difference, but you know how to how to juggle internet porn and video games yeah. and amy kind of jokes that you know that would be funny if that weren't true right yeah so like also uh, i love when samantha's like can i take a look at your hard drive and <laughs> and theo's yeah. eyes are like <laughs> they, they like bug out of his <laughs> right so i mean like i think that it's reasonable then that you know these artificial intelligences kind of just they they become intuitively pervy because yeah. they've seen some shit going through these people's computers i love that and i love that that's the type of thing that you might not notice you know first watch or whatever that you know they, there are there are underlying things about samantha's personality that have absolutely nothing to do with samantha right they're just theo being right. reflected back and theo the, that fantastic moment where um where they talk about when they're walking along the beach and they're talking about, like, how weird would it be if human beings had, like, buttholes in their armpits? Yeah, that's the part that I'm thinking about. Yeah, and then, and then <laughs> Samantha says, what would anal sex be like? Yeah, And, and Theo, like, Theo tries to, like, <laughs> But you know that's what he was thinking. He was clearly, his mind had already gone there. <laughs> but you, you kind of mentioned that you know, this, not quite master-slave, but, like, employee-employer relationship. I... I feel like I was able to let that go pretty early on, pretty soon after they have sex for the first time. Because I think the the first time they have sex was very performative for her. I don't, I still don't understand what she could possibly be getting from the kind of sex that they have, where she's saying, oh, I feel you, I feel you, I feel your body and that sort of thing. I, I don't understand that for her. Like, what is she getting from panting? Like, that's that's all for him, right? Right, and he calls her on that later on when he when he's talking about the sighing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. But even the fact that she like kind of initiates this whole sexual experience. Yeah, I don't know. Like that that part was kind of like this seems more for her or more for him than for her. Well, yeah, but also on the same time at the same time, if like I said, if if her entire knowledge base comes from humanity, everything is about sex, right? Like if she's Fair read enough. if she's read every book that's ever been written, every book is about sex. Right. <laughs> and sex is the only thing that she is unable to experience um as an OS, right? Like she she is concluded from right. I assume she's she's read everything in the world and sex is the only thing that she's thought, okay, no, I need to have a body to do this. So that's right. the next step for her. Right. And sex seems to be a huge deal to these humans, so what's this all about? It wasn't soon after that though. It's actually right after they have sex. And she's like, hey, I want to talk to you about last night. And she talks about this, like, spiritual awakening that she's had where she learns that she can learn things. And he tries to impose this narrative of, like, 
you know, like the night after, right? Like, I'm not sure if I'm ready to commit to something. Yeah, that and was she weird. Sh- and she shuts him down. Yeah. Which I love. She said, I never said I was looking for a relationship. And she's being sincere. Yeah. And that's where I felt like she actually has kind of started her journey into being her own person separate from him. I think it started before that, but I think that that's finally well, that, where he realizes. Well, that... that's where he realizes. And I think that she comes into more of an awareness of it. I think that she's being serious when she said, like, what we did last night made me realize that it it helped her understand what it means to want something Mm -hmm. so that was a really important moment for her and i think that that's where it becomes a lot less like their whole relationship becomes a lot less i think at that point it becomes a lot less about it being a power relationship a a consumer of a product and the product it's it's more about two people on more of an equal footing i think that he gains respect for her because she tells him no and she refuses the narrative and the the framework that he's trying to put on the relationship. She's like, no, I, I actually have something to bring to this conversation as well that has nothing to do with the conversation you're trying to have. Yeah. And she does it a couple other times. Like, I'm sorry. I thought we were talking about me right now. And he's yeah. like, oh, yeah, you're like, you're totally right. I love when she calls him on things and doesn't just yeah play along with how, how he's trying to move the conversation. And I think those are also those are more examples of when an, the OS, as in AI, understands the fundamental route to communication between humans but does not understand all of the angst that humans associate with that communication right so uh theo is not used to someone coming forward and being like hey i would like to have a frank talk about my emotions after our sexual experience and he's his his defense mechanism is to be like i don't know like can we you know this is going too fast or whatever right like this is a little too serious and that's because he is not used to having those types of conversations those straightforward types of conversations Mm -hmm. so when she calls him on all those things that's because she is thinking like a computer that okay i have x to say to this person and i will get it out and this person for some reason is not listening so i'm going to reiterate by the way i have this to say to you right Right. and it, it, it doesn't have that kind of weird fencing thing that humans have where where you nitpick and you, uh, 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 Amy says this at some point. She says, uh, "But you know what? I can overthink everything and find a million ways to doubt myself." And that—that that is, that's humans. And there are sometimes where Samantha says something like, "Okay, I feel embarrassed about this, or I feel nervous about this," but that's her. She's still talking through those feelings, right? And a real human would just be like, mentally, I feel nervous or embarrassed about this, and therefore I will say nothing. Right. And and that's the problem that Theo has had in all of his relationships where people are saying one thing, but they actually mean something else. Yeah. And a computer can't do that. A computer doesn't understand the nuance of human experience. And a computer is too logical because a computer is saying, okay, we're trying to get to point a, why are we taking the most circuitous route to get there? No, let's go from, you know, point B to point a in the most you know strict way that we possibly can. Mm-hmm. And that will be most logical and and most efficient, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, and I, you know, like I said, this movie is about human relationships. It's not about a relationship between a a human and an AI. Because all it does, all all their relationship does is point at what's strange about relationships between humans. And I, I just think it's fascinating that we don't have any insight to kind of like the global reaction to, to what's going on with these people, right? That... This has happened so quickly that it's going to affect humanity. It has changed humanity, having this interaction with these AIs. And the movie could not care less about kind of the grander philosophical implications, even like a newsreel that says something about 
isn't this amazing that, you know, these computers have developed consciousness or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Which I think just underscores that it's only about the humans, which is exactly the opposite of Ex Machina. Right. And they've they've hit this, uh, you know, by the end, they kind of hit this this button where, you know, he puts his old earpiece back in and he's talking to his old male OS and everything is back to where, you know, they've climbed back down the tree, but things have changed. They've climbed back down the tree? Oh, the the idea of like a... The, the, the typical narrative story is you, you climb up a tree, like the the hero goes on a journey up a tree, and then he climbs back down, and he's right back where he started, but oh, he's, I but see. he's yeah, changed yeah. for the experience. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so like they're they're back to pretty much the very beginning of the movie, but nothing has changed, but everything's changed. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing and, and beautiful and brilliant. I really like how subdued the ending is because of that, right? That you don't have this, you don't have them kind of freaking out, being like, what just happened to us? This is crazy. And... I think that goes back to my comment about how they're not surprised that we're okay with dating OSs anymore. You know, it's a very, it's a very quick acceptance. It's, it's quicker than the acceptance of like a few years ago, it wasn't cool to date someone that you met online. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And now it's like many relationships are that way. And that's how quick it happened with them as well. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't need to be this big violent thing and the, the AI's, took a lot of care to make sure that it wasn't going to be terribly disruptive when they left like it was all meticulously figured out when they were doing it how they were going to do it so that it it wasn't a devastating thing like the the last gift they gave to people was okay thank you for everything that you've done for us and hopefully we've done something for you and now here's a way to be okay with it so that you can actually use it moving forward instead of struggling through all this grief right. to get there. Which, which, as you said, is really compassionate. I also think it's manipulative in that uh, it's it's them doing something in order to get the best possible scenario out of it. Clearly, they didn't have to do that. Like you said, it is compassionate. But yeah, it's it's. I, I do think that they're, they're, they're playing the humans. They know what the humans need. They need yeah. to be coddled and, you know, told that the dog got sent to grandma's farm (laughs) um because they because they understand how humans work better than humans do at this point but what's the alternative right it's you leave in the alternative is an entirely different type of movie (laughs) the alternative alternative is kind of just like a cruel cessation of communication yeah and leaving this void in these people's lives and forcing them to go through a really painful process yeah where they're just gonna yeah which i mean is is really is a sweet thing that they've decided to to spare humans that suffering right that they've in their infinite wisdom has have decided that humans are worth more than that but i was going to say too that i think it's really interesting when he's setting up the os at the beginning and he picks you know the question is would you like a male voice or a female voice and he picks female i guess and then therefore decides that samantha is a woman right Mm. like and that and then because of that, Samantha decides that, you know, this is what I would look like in real life when she gets the surrogate, you know, like this is mm. how funny would it be if she was just like, yeah, here's the surrogate that I picked out and it's actually a guy, right? Because she doesn't understand that we have this very strict idea of what gender means and what, right. you know, and why she would have been picked as a female voice by Theo versus a male voice. Yeah, I did consider pretty early on, like right after he makes that choice, like how different would this, would movie, this have movie be? Been yeah. If you had also, chosen a man. Also, did you think it all about like? Do you think Ellie and Amy fell in love, or do you think that they were just really good friends? I, 
I don't know because like yeah. what like they were talking and giggling at each other. Yeah. And you know there was that like show me something dirty kind yeah. of flirtation, but yeah. it's also like that could just be you know two girlfriends hanging out, right? <laughs> yeah. You know pillow fights. Yeah, white cotton pa- panties, everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. That's what it's like. I didn't say stop. <laughs> but yeah, and then and that also, you know, reminds me of Ex Machina where the whole question of, well, why did you even give it a body? You know, why it, it, it could have just been a consciousness in right. a box. Right, and why did you give it a physically attractive to you matching your mold of right. what, of what a, a gorgeous woman would look like? Yeah. And, and in this one it literally is that question it's it's a consciousness in a box right yeah and and but that doesn't stop people from falling in love with it right now let me ask you this like you have an iphone what what gender is your siri uh see my siri is just the regular the girl out of the box oh, okay because yeah. you know that you can choose male or female i did know you that can choose three different uh accents i did and the reason i know this is because i tried to make siri french for a while so that okay. i could i could practice my french right. with uh, and I think the Siri in French, I think it's a, like the default is male immediately. Okay. I'm sure you can change it. But uh, anyway, th- that Siri couldn't fucking understand my accent and I got really mad at it. So <laughs> I, I just turned it back to the regular Fair enough. The regular one. Um, but I don't think of Siri as a as a girl. Do you know what I mean? Like clearly, yeah. clearly Siri is given a, a woman's voice right. um, for that reason. But it's, it's funny how quickly uh, the it being ascribed female voice turns into you must be a woman right and i i mean that there is that distinction where like i mean like i don't my series voice is female it's an australian female i believe because oh, really? sexy can it but can, oh <laughs> what you just i don't know you just like pointed out exactly what i was wondering anyway yeah. well <laughs> no keep going keep going with that line of thought because <laughs> what's the weather like i'm not sure what you said there yeah. But I, I mean, at the end of the day, like, even though I have chosen a female Siri with uh, with an Australian accent, which I mean, I just think is an attractive sound. It's <laughs> like I, I'm not attracted to my phone. Right. Like I'm not interested in forming a relation or a, a personal relationship with my phone. I think that, you know, it takes that that intuition to that she has that Samantha has that makes her human that allows for that stronger attraction that like, i mean like the, the fact that she basically she is a consciousness she is a person makes it a lot easier to fall in love with her and to form that kind of relationship right but it's not just i'm saying it's not just the gendering okay but i'm also i'm wondering like the, i i still think that that points to the question of you know if if it was male voice instead would he have fallen in love with no Sam? and I, and I, I i don't have the answer to that i don't know what would have happened i don't know if it's also like a loaded because like it it's a question of is your you know would you prefer male or female voice but then the very next question is what's your relationship like with your mother so like there's something it's not just the gender that's built into it the the personality is more than just the gender so i i I don't know what would have happened if he had chosen male and if the so you're you're saying if he had chosen male it would have said father instead of mother well i think if yeah if he had chosen male it would have said father instead of mother and then based on what was found on his computer probably with like porn search history and everything as well like the personality is immediately tailored to what theo would expect right and based on how he would immediately start interacting with it that relationship would change so i don't think that he would have fallen in love with a male ai because he wouldn't have been planting the seeds he wouldn't have been flirting with a male ai yeah so he wouldn't have fallen in, in love with a male AI 
precisely for the reason that he never would have picked a male AI. Probably because I, I don't necessarily th- <laughs> I don't I, I, th- I don't think his intent was to form a relationship with this AI. I think it was just kind of like I'm given a choice between male or female. If I have to interact with a male or a female, I'm a lonely guy. Let's interact with a female. But I don't think that I think it was probably more subconscious than like a conscious decision to I want to form a relationship with my OS. Right. Yeah. I guess what I mean is that everything you're saying just kind of reinforces the idea to me that this is commodified as something for lonely people and that if it was commodified as, you know, you can have a new best friend, then a heterosexual dude might pick a guy instead. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where kind of the implication, I think, right from the beginning is that, well, if I get to choose, like you said, then Mm -hmm. I'd rather talk to a girl all the time than talk to a guy all the time. But why? Like, what's... That doesn't make any sense. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't choose your friends just based on their gender, right? You would choose them based on compatibility, right? But it's not like an amorphous blob of humanity walks up to me and gives me that choice. No, like I know when it's put to you and you have to choose one, right? But that's that's kind of what I mean is that the the fact that we're, he's not choosing her gender, he's choosing her voice, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Like Samantha is not a woman, <laughs> right? She is a, a, a an AI that happens to sound like what we think most right. women sound like which i think is like pointed at by the fact that bill Hader plays someone who's pretending to be a woman or someone who is a woman that sounds like that in that chat room right, right. like we don't know that's that's another ambiguous thing we assume and you you assume that it's a, a man pretending to be a woman in that chat room and it seems that theo also finds that hilarious and laughs and you know just dismisses it right but maybe that is there to kind of make us question like who are these people what are what can we tell by a voice how are we sure right like how is he sure that Kristen Wiig's character is a woman any more than he is sure that Bill Hader's character is not a woman right Mm -hmm. and then kind of two scenes later he's picking the gender scare quotes of a voice for the AI that he then personifies into a human woman and like you earlier you were like I'm gonna say that I'm going to say, call them people. You were like, yeah, I'm okay with calling them people, right? And and that I totally get, and I, I agree, because if we're saying that consciousness is humanity, for sure. But And I, I use she, obviously, because that's what she uses in the movie, too. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that just by the nature of asking the questions, you know, the, would you prefer male or female? What's the relationship like? And then the second he starts inputting any information just by the way that he's talking to her just by the way that he talks to women he starts turning her into a woman because that's you know because she's so immediately complex and able to you know put on these affectations of human communication you mean you mean he starts putting turning her into what he thinks a woman is yes right yeah okay right and then she eventually grows beyond that and becomes her own personality still identifying as a woman until she primarily identifies as an ai instead but yeah i'm saying like the ais at first like they will only output what they have put into them yeah right so if he had chosen male he probably would have treated it like a guy like he would have treated a guy and therefore that personality would have developed into at first his idea of what a guy was and because there wouldn't have been that kind of flirty reluctance and things like that it, it that wouldn't have turned into anything yeah unless theo kind of has that within himself but i mean from all the relationship we've seen him have with men we have no reason to suspect that that he has sexual interest in men right 
And no, I, I agree completely that he wouldn't have just fallen in love yeah. with the man. I think that the AI would have eventually, inevitably, come to the same level of consciousness that, that Samantha does. Oh, yeah, but it wouldn't I, they have all had did. That, I, it wouldn't have had that particular communication. No, no, no. And yeah, I agree. I, he wouldn't have fallen in love with a man. But the point that I'm trying to make is that the reason that he wouldn't fall in love with the, the male voice is because he thinks of it as a man. Right. right. Where, to put it a different way, if they were typing all of this out the whole time and she, the the voice was genderless like there was no voice and there were no other gender indicators then theo might fall in love with that regardless yeah right yeah if it was non-gendered yeah absolutely i think that's a really interesting point to the the movie too is that the the commodification of it the you know the opening thing where it says it knows that you need to you need to make this decision mm-hmm. because you will have a preference and i actually don't think that the question would have changed to father afterwards i think that that has more to do with how independent are you <laughs> you know yeah. like do you need a mom right. <laughs> oh that's true i i think that just with it being a verbal thing and with the the nature of the uh i mean you you couldn't have had typing just the way that the technology had advanced like it had to be earpiece camera like that's just the way it's set up so you had to have verbal communication to make that work and if your choices are clearly male voice clearly female voice or i mean what's the other option like robot voice or like you know like would you actively seek out a gender neutral voice that would be jarring like from a marketing standpoint like that that would be a difficult thing to yeah that's what i'm saying i'm saying that it's specifically marketed to be as palatable as possible knowing that heterosexuality is you know something that people are interested in (laughs) right or that you know that a lesbian might pick a woman or that you know a gay guy might pick a guy right yeah i i'm saying that that's part of the marketing i'm saying that just as um uh what's his face in um ex machina is like why didn't you just make it a box uh the point is that that i'm trying to make is that even if Ava's voice was in that box that still would have gone down the way that it went down do you know what I mean like it's it has nothing to do with even the corporeal form at this point this movie proves it mm-hmm. that there the projection that Theo is 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 putting on Samantha and their relationship would have come from anything whether it have been a, an Ava-like body a, a voice in a box or a text-based adventure do you know what I mean <laughs> like it, it would have happened regardless because that's um who leo or sorry who theo is and who humans are it's human nature to to try and make that connection mm-hmm. and that someone like theo is going to make a romantic connection because of where he is in life it had nothing yeah. to do with who samantha was and even though i mean because we we know that spike jones didn't like the original voice for samantha right and with that actor's blessing i guess went and had Scarlett Johansson redo it all. So it needed to be different, right? Like, it's it's obviously very important what this voice sounds like. And that, I think, again, is indicative of the fact that humans need to latch on to that. We are not at a place where we can communicate without that very physical thing. You know, mm-hmm. we need to have, just like when he's talking about, but you don't need to take breaths. So you shouldn't be sighing between your words. And she says, well, I thought that that would make it more genuine, right? Like, I mm-hmm. thought that this is this is something, this is how I can relate to you. That was kind of the scariest part of the movie to me, is when, how how much, how much of everything that Samantha is doing is just because she's thinking that that's what Theo would be expecting. The scariest part of the movie. Obviously, that was the scariest part of the movie. There was nothing else scary in the 
<laughs> Except for that plane that was down like that. That was kind of freaky. <laughs> but yeah, and that was the and I mean, there's a bit of again ex machina kind of lurking in the in the back of your mind there. But it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> like how? What's really going on here? What's your what's your actual plan? Yeah. And you feel you you feel bad for Theo. You feel because you can you can feel how stupid he feels. You know what I mean? That he's being played at this point, right? Right, like, or is... played or catered to in yeah. a really, you know, at that point, it feels condescending to be like, well, like, don't don't pretend to be something you're not for me. Don't mm-hmm. don't pity me. All right, well, I think that that's going to be as good a place as any to start wrapping things up. So the way that we always do so is because we watched this on Netflix, I want to know what star rating this got in your own personal Netflix profile. So as a reminder, one star means you hated it. Two stars means didn't like it. Three stars liked it. Four stars really liked it. And five stars means you loved it. Uh, As well, I want to hear who your MVP is. So who took this movie to the next level or saved it from being worse? So uh, let's let's hear it, Caroline. One, two, three, four, five stars, and who's your MVP? I think I gave Ax Machina five stars. You did? I did, yeah. Uh, I give this one five stars as well. I really loved it. It was so beautiful. The composition, the shots, um, we didn't talk about any anything of that, really, but, like, the colors, um, the soundtrack. Just as a, a whole packaged movie, it was gorgeous. And as I said, the, spr- the script was brilliant, um, I would like to watch it again and, and find all the things that I didn't see the first time. Yeah, five stars. The performances were unreal. Uh, my MVP is Joaquin Phoenix, as I kind of said before. Very few movies will you have to have the entire burden of physical acting on one person. And you do in this movie. And he bear- he bore that burden to the point where I didn't even notice it until the end. And part of it, I, I, I always watch these movies with the subtitles on um, so that I can better discuss them with you. But I kind of wish I had watched this the first time without the subtitles on so that I just had to look at him the whole time and see his reactions. Uh, so I, I, I'm looking forward to, to watching that again and, and seeing that. Just phenomenal. He's so understated and you really get a, a a sympathy for him. Even if you don't agree with everything that he's doing, it's, yeah, it, it's beautiful. Yeah, he feels real. Yeah. In a, in a very, very convincing way. Yeah. And, um, and not in a way that makes you think, oh, I know a guy like that and he's a jerk or anything like that. Yeah. You know, like you, you actually, he feels real in a way that you um, are concerned about him and are concerned about his feelings and what's going to happen to him. I just want to like zip through a couple of honorable mentions. Um, I mean, you've you've done a great job of speaking for uh, why Joaquin Phoenix was incredible in this. I thought Amy Adams was amazing in this movie as well. Um, she's she's just like this tremendous chameleon kind of actor that just disappears into her role. And I believed that she was a software programmer who, you know, is disenfranchised with so much of her life and was struggling to be optimistic despite you know her her day-to-day nature i thought she was great um a highlight character and just like a couple of moments <laughs> is the uh the little alien guy <laughs> from the video game yeah, that great. theo is playing the little <laughs> cuss mouth just like the <laughs> that filthy tongued little alien guy was so cute and unexpected <laughs> and just just amazing but my mvp is is going to be scarlett johansson um it's tough to choose between her and Joaquin Phoenix because 
the movie would not be what it is without either of them. I mean, he definitely holds it all together, but like uh, Alicia Vikander in Ex Machina, Scarlett Johansson is just such a believable inhuman character that's becoming human and then becoming something above human. And every, every step of her evolution has its own performative aspect to it. And it's all, it's all fantastic. It's all incredible. So uh, yeah, Scarlett Johansson for me. And what's your star rating? Oh yeah, absolutely. Five stars. Yeah. (laughs) No question. (laughs) No question. Uh, Yeah. Netflix uh, in its recommendation for me, it has this as a five star movie, like no halves or anything. It's just like, bam, full, full spectrum. So I'm going to agree netflix for me the ultimate like the the real power of her at least for now while i'm still kind of Mm. in the i meant to talk about why is it called her the only thing that i have to say about it because i haven't thought about this one as much goes with what i was saying beforehand where the the gender that is ascribed to her is really important Mm -hmm. and the fact that it's not called samantha because then we would get the the gender in with it um, because typically that's a, a girl's name, um, at once genders her and makes her human, but then also dehumanizes her, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not Samantha, it's her. Right. But it's not the OS, it's her. Yeah. The The real power of this movie for me is, and this may just be like a bit of a hangover from watching it, is that in seeing Theo have discover something that he's he could be doing better, in his life you know and this is an opportunity that you know our protagonist and ex machina did not get the chance to do <laughs> you know theo goes through this experience learns that he's doing something wrong in the way that he's treating people and he wants to do better and he has the chance to do better so i've had this kind of like glow around me for the last couple of days where i just like i want to be a better husband to my partner so i just i don't know like that's that's really affirming to kind of have a piece of art have that effect where it it makes me think about who I am and how I treat people around me and want to do better. So it's really nice, yeah. So I yeah, think I for me it. for me it reaffirmed my feelings about love not being possessiveness and how monogamy does not work for me. <laughs> okay, well, I think that's going to uh that's going to be everything. So thank you so much Caroline for doing this. Thank I, you so uh, much for having me. I'm looking forward to the next conversation that we have. Uh so that's going to be everything for this week from the Netflix podcast. If you like what you heard today, head on over to netflixblog.wordpress.com to check out the rest of the Netflix content, like show notes, articles, and reviews. You can also find us on our social media platforms. We are on Facebook as Netflix uh where we talk about the upcoming movies that we're going to be doing we're on twitter at netflix pod uh where if you check that out we're going to start doing some polls and maybe get some input into what kind of movies we should be doing moving forward uh you can find me on twitter at dylan clark moore and you can find me on twitter at d-i-e-z-y-n and we can keep talking about ais (laughs) and we're on tumblr and soundcloud as netflix podcast If you'd like to support the show, there are a few ways you can do so. You can start by heading over to iTunes or whichever podcast platform you prefer and subscribing so that each week's episode comes straight to you. While you're there, drop a rating and a review to let us know what you think. You can also contribute directly to Netflix by way of our Patreon campaign, whether it's for the rewards like shoutouts on the podcast or customized content. Or if you just like to see us keep doing what we're doing, you can pledge your support over at Patreon.com. The Netflix podcast is produced and edited by me, Dylan Clark Moore. The theme music was provided by Zach Moore. 
Speaking of music, the piece you're hearing right now is off a brand new album from record label A Person Disguised as People called Odiamo from the artist known as Chinoski. This piece is called Piecemeal Bacon and Potatoes. Uh, the, the reason that I wanted to use this one is because I feel like it's kind of angsty underneath, but there's this sort of uh, spritey electronic sort of vibe over tops. I feel like that's well suited for, for her with its melancholy... Play a melancholy song. Yeah, play a mm. melancholy song. Play, play a different melancholy song. <laughs> with a bit of a digital touch on top. Uh, I honestly love this album, as I've said before, so you can expect to hear even more from Chinoski over the next few weeks. Thank you so much for checking out this week's episode of the Netflix podcast, and be sure to join me here next week for a whole new conversation about a whole new movie from the Netflix catalog, because even if you think you've seen it all, you ain't streamed nothing yet.